In today's episode, Ashley Herrera talks about how taking strategic risks has helped her break the cycle of poverty in her family and create a life without limits. Pay special attention to what she says about scheduling yourself first. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. Know the value of time. Snatch, seize, and enjoy every moment of it. No idleness, no laziness, no procrastination. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Philip Stanhope, DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and just a bunch of really cool, crazy people looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Today's guest is one of my favorites, near and dear to my heart, Miss Ashley Herrera. Ashley is your mortgage loan expert. She knows what it takes to get you in the position to buy a home and uses her expertise to help you close her mortgage loan as smooth and efficient as possible. Buying or refinancing a home, Ashley should be your first and last call. And we'll get into why we have her on here in a minute. Um, I actually, uh, a little confession here, Ashley just helped me secure my own home and she was a ninja. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but (laughs) Ashley, welcome to the do zone. Say what's up to the DZ tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Hey, what is up the do zone? I'm so excited to be here with Josh Thomas. Um, Appearing as a guest is one of the most awesome things that I could think of doing right at this moment. And for Josh's question, the one thing that I could say is always finding a way to schedule yourself in first. Um, There's a lot of people out there who only think about everybody else, um, think about all the work things that they need to do first, but you have to be able to schedule in yourself first so that you take care of yourself as well as possibly your family. Um, like me. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a book by Mike McCallowitz called profit first, which basically talks about how you need to pay yourself first before you pay any expenses in your business. And so what you're saying is, you need to schedule yourself first before you schedule anything else. Yes. That was one of the things that I learned later as an entrepreneur. And I, that is something that I wish I'd had known at the very beginning of my career. Um, I would be much further. I would be, have more happiness from the beginning of my career than I do have now. So highly recommend that. And, and tell me, what are some examples of scheduling yourself first? So yeah. we may know what that means. Yeah. So for example, um, like every week, me and my husband, we do a date night, um, or a date day, whatever it is that we decide to go in for the week. We make sure that's a priority. 
um, because not only myself am I important, but also my spouse is important um, to be able to have a good life. Um, also, may I don't know if you work out. That's one of the things that I make sure to schedule in daily as well. That is part of my health. Um, being able to schedule in a workout or a walk, whatever it is, just scheduling that into your day so that you don't miss that. Um, and then like pampering, um, there's a lot of people in our world of entrepreneurship. They don't take the time to actually take a break, um, take some time off to tend to yourself, whether that's like a massage or maybe just maybe getting your nails done or getting some sleep. That is something that we all need. Um, so those are some examples of scheduling yourself first before everybody else. Well said. And so, you know, you said earlier that this was something that you wish you would have learned much, much sooner when you were younger. And yeah. I remember we were having a conversation about taking this path of entrepreneurship is a very lonely road. You're yeah. surrounded by people who don't understand you, who are trying to drag you down, who are trying to say, man, just go get a job. It'll be fine. And yes. I know that that's something you really struggled with. So, mm -hmm. so maybe talk me through some of those darker times when you were still just trying to push through and figure it out? Yeah. Um, so early in my career, um, so since I am a loan officer, I'm hundred percent commissioned. So that means I have to go out and get the business and I have to close a loan for me to be able to get paid. Um, so what that also means is, although I close a loan, I don't get to get paid until another 15 to 30 days later, depending on when I close that loan. Um, so Finding deals was one of the hardest things for me to do whenever I first uh, started as a loan officer because I didn't know you had to be a salesperson. Um, I came from operations. I was a loan processor before that. Um, so I just saw loan officers getting loan after loan after loan. And it was because of their experience and the time that they had in the business um, that it just came uh, to them. So looking for other people who were in my industry was difficult um, to relate to because I was very young. Um, also reaching out to agents who were much older than me at that time was very, very difficult too. So speaking about being lonely, it was lonely in that aspect as well, because I couldn't get people to take me serious. Um, although I may have had more experience than loan officers that they currently work with. Um, do because I was a processor before. So I knew exactly what needed to be done to be able to get the loan closed. Um, also, when it came to friends, um, I really didn't have the amount of friends that I would have liked to have. Do we ever though? <laughs> so what do you, what do you mean by that though? You're, it, it's obviously you've, you've chosen a path that is, there's, there's no security. There's no yeah. safety net. Uh, yeah. We have we have been brought up since our early childhood to fit into a system and an institution. We sit in desks that are in straight line rows and we have a boss at the front of the class that's showing us and telling us what to do and training yeah. us to be an employee and be a part of a machine for the rest of our life. And then you at a very young age, you just kind of split across from that. You split away yeah. and yeah. your friends don't understand. No. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking to that, 
I was kind of the first generation of being able to get my college degree. So like you said, we were conditioned to go after that college degree and then thinking we were going to be six figure earners once we came out. That is totally false. Um, I did not have that experience and I got lucky to be able to see that early. Well, I wouldn't say early on because I finished my degree, um, but early on enough to know that that was incorrect information. Um, and then getting into a world of commission, I mean, most of my friends or, you know, high school friends, I see that most of them have nine to five jobs still. I don't um, see that entrepreneurial spirit like I have. So that that's what kept me separate from a lot of people. Um, they just didn't have that same mindset. And, and what was the difference? Do you think what, what made you go in a different direction than, than the herd? I think honestly, because I had um, higher expectations um, coming from a low income family, I didn't want to give that to my kids. I wanted to be able to provide them something better. Um, finding out even after getting my master's degree, I was possibly going to be maybe in the 65 to $90,000 range. And that just wasn't enough for me. Um, I wanted to be multi six figure earner um, and now seven. Um, so my goals have increased every year and they'll keep increasing. Um, but a big part of that was be able to be able to provide a better life for my children so that they can also take what I've given them and provide their kids a better life and so forward. So basically breaking those chains and those barriers um, is my goal. So taking risks was a huge part of that. Talk to me about the risks that you had to take to, to step out and, and get into that multiple, multiple six-figure earner situation. Yeah, so talk about risks. Um, I started at a bank. That's where you get salary, you know, making that monthly check. I was making... Um, what I thought was decent amount of money. And then I had gotten the opportunity to become a loan officer assistant with one of the banks that I was working with, except that I was up against a, a long time employee who had been there. Although I had the more experience, it was more likely that she was gonna get the job. So I started exploring other options and I came um, to an opportunity where I was gonna be able to be a loan officer assistant but I had to move. So me and my husband have been together since we were in high school and my husband was still in college at that time. I had to make the decision that if I was gonna be able to possibly be able to put us in a better position financially that I was gonna have to leave him behind. And I did. Risk number one, <laughs> that was very hard for me. It was very hard for him. We had to basically live a long distance relationship um, for a while. So we were able to have a great relationship because we had a very strong bond for each other. And he would come and visit me on the weekends. It was a four hour drive there and a four hour drive back. So we were both, or he was very committed as well as I was very committed. <laughs> yeah. So I took that risk. Um, and then I had to take another risk. Um, my one of the loan officers that I was working for, she mentioned that I could possibly be a processor and have my own business to where I could charge loan officers and process their loans. Um, so I had to go take my test. I got my test done. I finally um, passed it. 
and I started charging loan officers per loan. That's when I saw how much loan officers make. I was charging them $500 a pop. They were making like thousands and thousands of dollars a pop. <laughs> I was mm. like, what We're am I doing? I'm doing all the work here. Well, I felt like I was doing all the work at that time. And I'm like, I want to make that kind of money, you know? Um, so it did come to a time where I just finally was able to be in the position to jump into the loan officer position. Now I was a hundred percent commission. There was that's second risk. There was no turning back from that. And with my mindset, I'm the go-getter. I'm going to figure it out. Well, I learned firsthand within, you know, a couple of weeks, I wasn't getting any calls. I wasn't getting any applications. I'm like, Oh, what am I going to do? Whoops. <laughs> Forgot to put some gas in the tank. Yeah. So I wasn't mentored. I didn't understand what you had to do to be able to get deals. I wasn't a salesperson before. So then I decided to get on Facebook. That was the only thing I knew at that time. I got on Facebook and started educating people. And then as I educated people, I was able to get um, clients to come to me to ask questions. And I was pulling in applications just from asking or giving education and answering questions. The next awesome thing about that was I was, I'm not the one to want to go chase the real estate agents. I like to be able to to create a relationship to where if I can find a client and I choose you to work with me and we make a great, a great relationship instead of me chasing you for you to give me deals, that's what I was looking for. And it happened with Facebook, real estate agents, realtors, they started reaching out to me because I was the expert. Now I was the one on Facebook like I told you before, yes, I had a really, really hard time for getting agents to take me seriously because I, they thought I was a 16-year-old child <laughs> in the mortgage industry. You do, have, um, a, they you do just, have a very youthful look, yes. But they just didn't know about me and who I was. And that's when I started putting that information out there. And that's how I became that trust factor, basically the authority in the market. Wow. Um, so those were those risks to get to the loan officer route. And I finally um, closed my first deal after four months. So that meant I got paid on my sixth month of being a loan officer. So anybody wow. out there who's trying to be a loan officer, just know you got to you gotta ramp up and then you can make that money. <laughs> you got to do the work, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the most common trend that I hear in here from, from your growth is you're an action taker. You said that yeah. you're, you're a go-getter. And one of the, one of the things that got you to where you are right now is you took some action, even though you weren't ready, even yes. though you weren't sure what was going to happen, even though you had mm -hmm. to leave your husband behind for a little bit mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. go into this situation where there was no guarantee of success, you took action on it and you're like, okay, well, I don't have any business. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm bored. So I go on Facebook and start teaching people about this. I've got nothing else to do. At least that's some action. Talk yeah. to me about just very briefly, talk to me about what does it take in here in the head to be mm -hmm. able to just get over the hump and take some action, even if you're not ready, even if you're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the major things with me. Um, whenever I started, I was very scared. I wasn't confident. Um, but you know what? I was thinking, hey, I, I have to be able to provide for my family. I need to get over my 
my scare my scared mind right now and I just need to go and do it what helped me was being able to write down some goals that I wanted to be able to reach um, looked at the, those goals and took action um, the other thing that I did notice throughout my career was that I um, had a scarcity mindset at the beginning I I was chasing the dollar and I can tell you right now when you chase the dollar it is the hardest way for you to be able to get paid, to get loans or to get that money, to get that commission check coming through. What I did was I changed that scarcity mindset to giving, basically just giving my knowledge. I'm not chasing that money anymore. I'm just going to have this mindset to where it's going to come. And the way that it's going to come is be, is by me changing again from being scary about money to knowing that the abundance of money is going to come through somehow. And um, that's when I really started educating and just providing and giving what I can to people. You know, it's the strangest thing that I've, I've always kind of felt that like for, for anybody who's been paying attention, I, you know, some, some childhood trauma surrounding money. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we all kind of do to a certain extent, you know, our parents did the best they could. Uh, and, and for me, I've just been terrified that I'm just going to run out of money and yeah. be homeless, live under a bridge. And, you know, we actually talked about that. I'm like, Hey, maybe I can get some nice real estate under a bridge, get a little refrigerator box, cut some windows in it. It'll be fine. But, you know, one of the things that I, I really noticed is if, if I'm talking to somebody and I can make a difference and I can make an impact. That certainly has a value and it probably has a monetary value, but I get to determine that. And when somebody says, Hey, how much do I owe you? I get to tell them I'm like, well, yeah, give me 50 bucks. And if I say that, mm -hmm. if I say that though, then I just placed a value on my time of 50 bucks mm -hmm. for whatever that was, you know, just like when, when somebody invests in your business, I'll, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for a 10% stake. Well, they just valued your business at a million dollars, right? And so if I do somebody a favor, if I help somebody out and they say, well, how much, you know, how much, oh yeah, how much you charge me? Give me a hundred bucks. Well, I just valued my time at that hundred bucks. That's very limiting. And so yeah. I placed my, the value of my time higher than a thousand dollars per hour. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to help somebody out, I'm not, I'm, if I, if I can't get a thousand dollars or $2,000 from you for that hour of my time, I would rather donate because yeah. that maintains my integrity by saying, you know what? I want to do this for you because I want to build this relationship because yeah. eventually you'll be able to pay me what I'm worth. And that's yeah. more of that abundance mindset. And it's sometimes it's the hardest thing. I just, yeah. I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but it just <laughs> like, as I'm talking, I was just thinking about this. There was this pizza place like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. When I was just like broke and desperate, I would just go and hang out at random restaurants and talk to the regulars and with my computer pretending like I was being an entrepreneur, but really I was just like typing things. <laughs> um, and so there's this pizza place and it was run by this guy named Ray and Ray was like a kooky dude and he did not know how to run a business and this business was not profitable and it didn't last very long. But I, but I remember I was sitting there, I was there all the time. I got to know Ray, I got to know the cook and the regulars and everything. And uh, there was this one time there was a new guy, new customer, and he had come up and he had asked for like some Chipotle ranch and some cashier gave it to him. 
And then he came back to, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's like a little thing, a ranch, like the little plastic ramekin. And he goes and he sits down and, and he opens it up. And then Ray comes out like all like belligerent. He's like, Uh-oh. oh, that'll be 82 cents. <laughs> you know, and the guy was like, oh, OK. Yeah, sure, man. I got you. You know, and then he comes back and he's like, here, keep the change or whatever. But at, like that was 10 years ago. And that like it sticks out to me <laughs> because Ray made such a big deal out of that 82 cents. Yeah. You know, it was like that 82 cents was very meaningful to him. Mm-hmm. When, like, I get it, things cost money or whatever, but I don't know, you had your chance. Like, just let the yeah. dude have the ranch. It's fine. You yeah. know, that's that's uh-huh. scarcity mindset. Right. You know, the abundance right. would be, hey, thanks for being a customer. Tell your friends, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. bring them bring them by for the game on Sunday. We'll have it on. You know, we'd love we'd love to have your 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 business. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, that was my, that was my tangent. Sorry. I just kind of like, Whoop. Oh, it's a good story. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it totally like portrays what the scarcity mindset versus abundant mindset is 82 so, cents or Hey, tell your friends about me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I don't know what happened to Ray, but that pizza place is no longer there. So that Aww. 82 cents didn't make a difference. I don't think. Yeah. Well, Ashley, let's, let's get in here and we're going to crack open your skull and take a look at how your brain ticks and get into the do zone diagnostic. Are you ready? Yep. I'm ready. Excellent. Go. So first question here, what's one thing you do that keeps you focused on your goals? One thing that I do every day is look at my goals and write them down every day. That's going to be able to allow me to focus on those goals and remember what they are. And then again, take action. Um, so that I would say probably is the best thing you can do because I used to not do it, but now I do. Nice. And, and how do you get yourself back on track when you lose that focus? Yeah. Some, sometimes I can lose focus, but what has been helping me recently is scheduling that in on my schedule and say, Hey, you need to write down your goals. Hey, you need to read your goals today. So that's going to give me a reminder, regardless of whether I want to do it or not. Um, I'll get that um, ding and be like, oh, yeah, I need I need to get back in. Um, I know that, you know, sometimes we wake up and we're like, oh, I don't want to wake up today. I just want to lay, lay here, you know, but then you just have to snap out of it. Count. Let's see. Do a count. One, two, three, four, five. And get up. Let's go. Right. <laughs> get up and get going. And and Ashley, who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? So I have found a group called Apex. They are my family of choice. Um, Speaking to not having many friends or people who understand me, Apex people understand me to the T. We all have so many things in common. We have, it's almost like the same brain away, brain length, and we're just get it. Um, We're, we pull each other up. um, We um, you know, give advice. We're pretty much all givers, um, givers to be able to help each other. Um, but yeah, that's my support system as well as my husband. Um, he's a huge support system for me because like I said, whenever I started in this business with commission income, mm, who wants to stick around with a gal who didn't have any money? (laughs) Well, now I have money. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so that's a good bet. (laughs) And so Ashley, uh, how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? 
Oh, I love difficult projects. I'm a solution oriented person. Um, so sometimes I know that um, it can be difficult to just take the step and take the action to deal with it. Um, but I'm the type of person who's just going to start with step one, um, whether that's going to have to be research for me to understand what I'm dealing with or, or see other people who have done it, maybe ask somebody else who has done it. Um, looking for solutions overall is how I get it done. And then just taking action, just starting with step one and following through. Um, if you start with step one, get to two and then stop at three, when are you going to finish it? You need to just follow through, get it done and be done with it. Um, so that's how I, how I do it. One step at a time. And final question, what is the number one pro tip you'd give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? Delegate, you <laughs> delegate. And you have to be able to trust that other people can do the work for you. I will tell you, I was a control freak whenever I started in the business. I would, again, I was the processor, so I knew exactly what needed to be done. And I did not want to give up control of my files. And, oh, once I learned that you can delegate, um, you got more time. Um, you got that freedom of time. You have more time to go get more business. You have more time with your family. I take more vacations and I make more money. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have to sing it, though? When you delegate, you have to be like, delegate, like you did. Yeah. yeah. That's the, yeah. that's yes. the, the pro, the, <laughs> yeah, the pro tip is it. to sing dele delegate and then go delegate. Yes. So speaking of delegating, what, tell us a little bit about your business. I, I know you've been, you know, you've been kind of hinting at it for a while, but, but talk about kind of your secret sauce and who do you help and how do you help? Awesome. So yeah, so I am a mortgage loan expert. I help with mainly residential mortgage loan and investment properties. Um, one of my niche products is helping clients who get denied elsewhere with different lenders, different banks. I'm able to find a solution to be able to help people get into homes where others people say no. Um, so I literally can work with credit scores down to a 500 for FHA. There's no minimum for our VA clients. Um, USDA, there's no minimum. And then we do have down payment assistance for those who qualify that started at 620. But you can see with those ranges of scores where most people think that you have to have like a 640 or 700 credit score to be able to purchase a home, it's still possible with those low credit scores. And you don't um, have to have 20% down either in most cases. Um, so that is the clientele that I love to serve because I'm doing a huge, huge service to and for these clients because they're actually getting an opportunity to be able to buy a home when they probably wouldn't have gotten that chance if they worked with somebody else. Um, so I've created a team to where we're all on the same page of understanding the clientele that we work with. We're solution oriented. And our goal is to help people get into homes. Um, so super passionate about that clientele. And that's what we're good at. <laughs> nice. And, and so talk to me just a little bit about when you, when you kind of specialize in helping people that are maybe struggle to get qualified otherwise. How, how did you discover that? And, and maybe what are, what are, you know, one strategy without, without kind of pulling back the kimono too much, what's maybe one strategy that you apply that maybe other officers wouldn't think to, to. Well, I think 
because I started from the bottom and now I'm here. I'm just kidding. Got it. <laughs> but literally it's because I was a loan officer assistant and I was a processor. So the experience behind knowing exactly what needs to be able to get done and be able to help this clientele is probably why I've been so successful at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and first of all, I, I want to tell a story to prove that in a minute, but before I do that, um, who do you serve? Do you serve only in Texas or nationwide or, you know, who, who can, who can reach out to you to get some help getting qualified for a home loan? Yeah. So anybody can reach out to me. Um, we do service nationwide. There are a couple of States we don't service such as New York and Hawaii, um, but if you have any questions, you can always um, call, text, DM me and ask the questions, regardless if I serve, service you or not, because I'm here to help. Excellent. And, and where can they go to find that information? You can go to Facebook. Ashley Herrera is my name. And I also have Instagram and TikTok, Team Herrera OG. And my website is ashleyherrera.phonesites.com. Okay. Excellent. AshleyHerrera.PhoneSites.com. Yes. Excellent. So I want to give you some props because you were like a stealth ninja going in there and getting basically willing me personally to be able to purchase a home. Yes. And it was awesome. Like, let, let me tell a little bit of your story. And then I want you to come in with like the cool details that I don't know anything about. <laughs> and so I am, I was in a position to where I was kind of getting tired of the place I was living in. I did not own the house. It's actually this house. If anybody's looking at this video, you probably can't see it. It's this house. I'm about to like shed it from my life. And it was time to move on. And so I called up Ashley and I said, Ashley, how much loan can I qualify for? You know, I have an income of X and my credit is pretty good. And she said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be happy to help you, but you really need to fill out an application because we want to do it right. And I'm like, can you just tell me how much I can qualify for? I'm just mildly curious. And she's like, fill out the application. It'll be fine. <laughs> so I go and I fill out the application and it's asking me, you know, the normal questions and like, hey, send your bank statements and me your w-2s or whatever so i send all that stuff in and then in the middle of that i start looking around i find a house that i really liked i'm like "Ooh, i like this house i want it and then i'm like frantically calling ashley i'm like ashley how much do i qualify for and she's like well since you did all the things i asked you to do i can answer that question <laughs> and so she starts working on it and i'm like i gotta put an offer in on this house and for those of you that aren't familiar i live in austin texas hyper hyper competitive market. I mean, people are just insane down here and it's definitely a seller's market. You're trying to buy a house, get in line, you know, and you don't like the price of that house, wait another day and it'll be more expensive. It'll be fine. Yeah. And uh, so I'm looking at this house. I go and see it on a Monday and I talk to the listing agent. I wasn't even represented. This is where it gets really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to the listing agent and I'm going to put an, I'd like to put an offer in. He said, well, the deadline is Wednesday at noon. That's like less than two days. And so I'm like, okay. And I call Ashley. I'm like, Hey, Ashley, can I get this house? And she's like, well, we need another form and you got to do the tax returns and all this stuff. But, but yes, I think so. And so we're putting that together. And she says, well, 
how are you even going to submit an offer? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just going to fill out this form and send it. She's like, well, you know, my husband's an agent. Well, yeah, well, that's cool. And so her husband, her name, whose name is Paul, Paul fills out the form and starts talking, takes over for me, starts talking to the listing agent. And as we're doing this, here's where the ninja stuff comes in. This is, this is where you earn, I don't know how much you're getting paid for that, but you, you earned every single penny of it because I'm sitting here and this, remember, this is a super competitive market. By the time I talked to the listing agent, saw the property that day that I saw the property, he received four offers on the property that day mm-hmm. and had 36 families view the property over the previous weekend. This is a hot house in a hot area of town. And so I'm trying to get any kind of info out of this guy. And he is just a stone wall. He won't say anything. Just submit your best offer, man. That's the best you can do. And if it doesn't work, there's another house. Okay. <laughs> and so I'll go ahead and divulge that the house was listed at 540. And for whatever reason, somewhere in my head, I just felt like 575 was the number. And it was, there was no real science behind it, but I was listening to what the listing agent was saying and kind of surmising like, well, I don't need to go over to by a hundred, but I definitely need to go over by more than a couple. And so I just settled on 575 sounded like, and so I, I told Ashley, I'm like, I want to offer 575. Can I get qualified for that? And she said, yeah, sure. You got it. Um, and she's asked me some questions and said, well, you're going to cover closing costs, right? I'm like, do people do that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty competitive. That's probably what you need to do. I'm like, uh, well, how much is it? And she's like, well, you know, and then she explained it to me. All right, that's tolerable. And uh, oh yeah, you should probably waive the appraisal. Okay. Um, and also you should waive the survey requirement. Uh, okay. Is there anything that I can actually, can I still get this house or do I just have to give them money and walk away? <laughs> do I, do I just get to like sniff the house? <laughs> And then here's the kicker, right? So the last thing that you suggested to me was, well, there's a seven-day option period. There was a $1,000 option fee for seven days to basically, I have the right, the exclusive right to buy this house over a seven-day period, or I can just walk away and they keep a thousand bucks and it's fine. And she said, well, if you really want to be competitive, you should drop the option period too. And I'm like, dude, that's insane. I'm basically, I'm just committing to this house pretty much sight unseen and she's like well it's a power move yeah you want to get the house you need to do that and i'm like all right that's ballsy but all right and so i'm like let's do it and i talked to paul paul puts it together he sends it in and then uh, this was like tuesday night you know and then wednesday afternoon i got a call from paul and he said hey they accepted your offer yeah and also you weren't the highest bidder you were in third place yeah. You were in third place. And you know what the only thing that made you win that deal was? What was it, Ashley? The waiving of the option period. Yep. That's exactly right. <laughs> the one thing that he was pushing me back on. He's like, well, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, for sure. You want this house? Do you want this house? Right. And you said, yes. And I was like, we, this is a power move. You want, you want the house? I mean, cause I'm thinking cash offers, right? Yeah. We're going up possibly cash offers, maybe some other financing. We need to be strong somewhere. And when you weigh that option period, they know you're serious. Um, yeah. So you got it. <laughs> and, and so now I want to turn it over to you to talk a little bit about your secret sauce, because 
one of one of the reasons that I felt like I was in really, really good hands for this transaction was how quick you moved. You you knew everything. You had every answer and you've got your team in place and Mm -hmm. we needed a quick close Mm -hmm. in order to satisfy the demands of this market. And I'm confident if I had been going through some big, large bank, I would have lost this deal because it would have taken him too long to even answer the phone and get back to me. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to me a little bit. Like you, you said, yeah, no, we're closing in 30 days. I got this. I move fast. So yes. tell me a little bit about that. And, and especially in this market, how that creates yeah. a strategic event. Yeah. So let's start with the first pushback was on trying to only figure out how much you qualified for whenever I talk about being able to put in a process in place. I take it seriously. And the reason is, is because I want to be able to um, be successful for the client. In your case, for Josh, um, I wanted to be able to set him up for success. And that is exactly what happened. Um, He filled out the application. He pushed back on turning in some documentation. So he just wanted to know his number. But I still pushed back and said, no, go, go and put in your documentation because that's my process, right? So I already have built this process, been working on it for years, and it's, it's pretty flawless. Um, so go through the steps. And that's how I was able to immediately take action. Um, you know, experience obvi- obviously gives um, answers to questions. And then being customer service oriented. He, he can text me and I, I'm going to answer him. He can call me and I'm going to answer him. If I don't pick up, I'm going to call back. Um, it's That's something nowadays that's missed a lot. Although I have my team, you still have access to me. Um, but overall, again, the process, we followed the process. Um, we put in that strong offer and now he's on his way to have the keys to his home. And all, um, all everything on the back end is pretty much taken care of. Now we're just really dealing with the property itself and there's really not much he's going to have to do. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and so that, that, that brings up a, another interesting point. I mean, just being able to, being able to move fast, being able to make things happen so quickly and in that personal touch, you know, that, that to me really made the difference. And then, and then also just that, that knowledge of being able to say, look, this is what you got to do to get the house. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and especially right now in this market, you need every advantage that you can possibly get. Yeah. And, and as far as I could tell, you brought that to the table. I'm, I'm just trying to think, you know, Chase, Bank of America or something, if I could even get them on the phone, if I could even get the application through, they're not going to have the insight or the time or the energy to go in and say, like, oh, well, here's how you can be competitive. Right. And, then, and then one other thing, and this is specifically for the entrepreneurs who are listening, the small business owners who are listening, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, I have unique tax structures set up, I don't have a W-2 income, well, I technically do, but, you know, ask my accountant, I don't, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but it, any normal loan officer is going to look at, you know, my income verification process, and it's going to look like spaghetti. You know, but you get it because you understand it because you are that person. And and talk to me a little bit about specifically for entrepreneurs who Mm -hmm. maybe either don't have a W-2 income, 
or they're only 1099 or they have an S corp and then they have K ones. And then there's all this, like they have investment income coming in. Like how do you help these guys and how can you specifically help these guys get qualified for a loan? That's traditionally, they're just looking at, well, how much did you bring home on your W2? Because that's just the way that most people are. Right. Yeah. So Yep. We're a whole different breed. Um, we're having to file taxes. Like he, um, Josh said, he didn't have, a, uh, he doesn't have W2 income to where he works for the corporate world, but technically he does because he has, he pays himself um, from his S corp to his personal self, which is W2. That's and right. um, he has a K1, which is S corp pays as well. Um, so for example, if you are self-employed for a traditional mortgage, you have to have two years of taxes filed. What we basically do is take your bottom line of whether that's your Schedule C or your business tax returns of whatever the smallest number is, is basically what I can say. You take those, add them together and divide by 24 months, and that's going to be your average income. Um what I have successfully been able to do for self-employed borrowers is review taxes and offer suggestions um, for the next tax period so that we can put you in a position to be able to buy. Um, again, I'm not a CPA um, or anything like that, but I can make suggestions to be able to help you. And that's that right now, and honestly, this year has been one of the awesome things I've been able to help with a lot of people when it comes to the self-employed um, borrowing aspect of lending. So if you have those types of questions, am I making enough money or is this um, showing enough money for me to be able to purchase a home? I can review that stuff and be able to guide you um, to get to the ultimate goal of owning a home. Nice. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's complicated, man. Like once you, once you step out of a job where you have a boss that's paying you a salary, it gets a lot harder to qualify for financing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. good. Excellent. So Ashley, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing some knowledge, dropping some wisdom bombs about the mortgage and financing industry and, and also just sharing your story of, of growth and development. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you, Josh, for having me on here. Everybody, on the watching this do zone, make sure you subscribe and you share and, um, you know, share it with other entrepreneurs because they need to know about these things The the, the do zone and what it's doing for other people is going to be able to help people. And that's what we are. We're givers. We're here to help. So make sure you share it with everybody, you know, absolutely. And if you're looking for a, a little bit of assistance or some guidance on how to get qualified for a home loan and getting a home secured in this uh, hyper-competitive market, we recommend that you reach out to Ashley Herrera. That's ashleyherrera.phonesites.com. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A. If you are a busy entrepreneur and you're looking to get to the next level, head over to thedozone.com for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. You can also join our Facebook group of the same name. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. 
Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? Go do something already. See you next time. Mm-hmm.